Today on the show, I'm happy to have Louis Frank. He's the CEO of FinGreen.ai. They're an ESG data and reporting company for the private markets. So nine months ago, Louis, what both your co-founders left. So what did you do to piss these guys off? <laughs> to start, very good question. It was a bit crazy. We started a company with two guys. So in my case, CTO and COO. And yeah, nine months ago, they both left. So both of them were friends. And reasons were multiple. We pivoted twice, still had no traction. A big pilot with a big European bank that fell through. An investor that dropped out of the last second. So it was a bit much for them. Decided to leave. No animosity between us. But yeah, I found myself beginning of the year. 2023, no team, no client, no product, no investors, and already one year spent on Syngreen. So yeah, it was a tough situation. I honestly thought about stopping multiple times, but look at us nine months later, here we are. So yeah, just kept going and kept at it. So some of the numbers that you were sharing with me. So you're nine months later, you've now raised a sum of money and you've onboarded some clients. Exactly. So today we're a team uh, of four people. We have a great product, which we will, we can talk about later. We have a couple of clients and we are going to announce actually at the end of this month that we just raised uh, 1 million euro. It's amazing. So what kept you going when the co-founders left and pushing forward? I just believed. I believed in my idea. I believed in the market, in the product, in the vision. We do ESG, we do environmental measurements, which is so important today. I truly think that we're bringing transparency in a space riddled with lying, greenwashing, and we're talking about like the future of the planet. Honestly, for me, quitting wasn't an option. Obviously at one point, if you're persisting and nothing happens, you have to quit. But for me, I could sense that we had traction, we had interest for people. Obviously we just had a string of bad luck. But yeah, for me, it was never an option. I told myself I'm giving myself a couple more months and see if I can turn it around and find new people. And yeah, and I was very lucky because uh, I found uh, the new CTO like a couple of weeks later, a very experienced guy, 20 years at Google, who was very focused since the start, found a new COO. And from then on, new dynamism and all the work we had done for months and months before started to pay off, right? It's three really long sales cycle. And yeah, there was a lot of turmoil in like the fundraising environment as well. But yeah, to be honest, sitting here today, I'm happy I kept going. Is this hired a hired team now or do you bring, are they new co-founders? Two of them are new co-founders and then the rest are new employees. So you decided to stick with that type of protocol, bring in a couple co-founders here at the beginning again. Yeah, honestly, uh, you, you cannot do it alone, especially in our case, we're dealing with quite complicated issues from a legal and regulatory ESG issue, but also from the tech side, right? We want to build like AI estimation models. We want to build a centralized platform. I cannot do all of that. So obviously you need people at the very beginning and that are going to share your pain. And yeah, and these two new co-founders were the best thing that happened. And now we have a great team, great product, and we're moving forward. And what was the process of securing capital? Like what kind of strategies did you use to find the right partners on that side of things? So we got rejected probably by over a hundred C's, business angel, et cetera. It, it, it's a tough environment on huh? 2022, 2023 to raise money, not just for us, for a bit of everyone. So to be honest, it's 
looking at all sources of financing, right? VCs, family offices, business angels. For us, we're lucky because our first client, the CEO and CFO uh, of this company actually invested in our company as well. So it proved that uh, you're, you're doing something well. We did everything we could, honestly, and I'm glad it's over for a little bit. But yeah, it was tough. It took a long time. We actually had one of our main investors drop out at the last second again during this round, but we had uh, secured enough capital in that case. So yeah, we just kept at it again. Now you're getting used to the fact that those things change at the last moment all the time in running a business. It's crazy. So with Fingreen, what are you really, dig into Fingreen and what you guys are doing. So I want to know about that. Yeah, so basically uh, we're doing ESG reporting, right? What is ESG, environmental, social, and governance? It's basically what is the impact of a company on earth and its inhabitants. So we're specialized in analyzing the ESG impact of private companies. So think about a restaurant down the street, about a startup, but also about bigger private companies because we also work with private equity funds. Right now, it's super hard to assess what is the environmental impact of these small companies. There's no public data. Uh, these guys have never done an ESG report. And when it's done, unfortunately, it's often a lot of greenwashing, a lot of lying, a lot of human error, and the urgency of climate change make it like such a pivotal moment, right? 99% of all companies are private. And for us, it was a bit crazy that all these financial actors that were now obliged in a way by regulations to assess their portfolio, were doing it through Excel's that a random analyst had to draft no real legal or ESG uh, knowledge and then sending it to companies. Can you imagine receiving like a 300 line Excel with super technical environmental questions? So completion was like 15, 20%. Again, a lot of error and a lot of time spent by the person collecting the Excel, extracting the data, running around these companies. Oh, this is missing. Collecting everything and then generating the different types of reporting, some of which have to be auditable by big financial regulators. So basically, FinGreen is the solution for that. A single platform, everything centralized, everything digitalized, and we push automation as much as possible. In our view, the measurement of quantitative metrics, qualitative metrics are a bit different, right? Because it's uh, sentiment. We believe we can automate a lot of that. And the least human interaction you have in this process, the more time you gain, the more obviously money you gain, if you gain time and the least amount of errors there's going to be, right? Because raw data is more, is more precise than human declarative answers. So we try to solve the problem of how do I measure the ESG impact of a private company and generate different types of reporting for different types of stakeholders, regulators, LPs investors, marketing, grand public, et cetera. Can you explain exactly what greenwashing is? Yeah. So greenwashing is a new term, right? It's, it, it appeared like a couple of years ago. Basically greenwashing is a company or even maybe an individual lying about its environmental end, right? Maybe they're saying they're doing something. They're not actually doing it. Maybe they're saying they're emitting 10 tons of CO2. They're emitting 50. But sometimes it can be involuntary, right? I just don't have the data. I don't understand the question. How do I calculate it? And so I make a mistake. But what's for me is terrifying 
is that a lot of the huge notation ESG agencies, Sustainalytics, MSCI, etc. These guys have very secretive black box ways of measuring ESG impact of companies. And you get a change of one to 15,000 in terms of certain metrics for the same company. Why? Because these guys have their own proprietary thing. An ex-McDonald's employee is becoming the CFO of whatever. And, and that is actually true. And there's papers from Stanford, Harvard, from there. So all these financial actors are just buying these notations, these scores, saying, look, they're, obviously they're taking the ones that are better for their portfolio. Hey, look. Sustainalytics says we're AAA, like you cannot say anything to us. And this is massively wrong because these financial actors injecting trillions of dollars are actually the ones determining where the global economy is going, what sectors are being developed, etc. And there's actually a very interesting parallel to have with the 2008 financial crisis, right? If you remember, it was Moody's, S&P, etc., Okay, these MBS are triple A, trust us, no need to verify. And we know what happened after, right? We're doing the exact same thing with the health of the planet, right? With environment. And so for me, it's absolutely insane. And I think a lot of people are realizing it. You're starting to have fines on greenwashing. You're starting to have big regulations on that topic. But yeah, it's greenwashing. It's lying to make yourself appear better from an environmental standpoint. But there's many definitions on this is just my own. So if our listeners wanted to get their ESG in order and get in touch with you, how could they do? Listen, they can reach us. They can reach me on LinkedIn. Honestly, a lot is going on LinkedIn. They can go on our website, fingreen.ai and leave a message there. We'll respond like in 24 hours. And yeah, trust me, in three to four years, every single financial actor in the world will have an ESG reporting solution and every company with more than 150, 200 employees in developed world will also need an ESG reporting solution. Well, thank you, Louis, for coming on the show and everybody for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. If you like the show, make sure to give it a five-star review. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.